This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Thanks for downloading the Let's Talk About Suicide podcast. This podcast is for anyone who has lost someone to suicide, and we'll be focusing on the LGBTIQA communities. As the name suggests, this podcast discusses issues around suicide, which can be a tough subject to talk about, but it's important that we do. We want to provide support to people who are bereaved by suicide and let people talk about it. In all of our discussions, we'll be conscious to use the appropriate language. Your self-care is important to us. Listening to this podcast may raise issues for you, and if this is the case, we'd encourage you to contact one of the following services in Australia. QLife on 1800 184 527. The Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. Or Lifeline on 13 11 14. You can find all of these contact details on the JOY website at joy.org.au slash let's talk. This podcast is produced in association with Support After Suicide, a program of Jesuit social services that provides support to people who are bereaved by suicide, and also Switchboard Victoria, which provides peer-driven support services for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and gender diverse, intersex, queer and asexual people, their families, allies and communities. We would also like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the lands of the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation, And we would like to pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and to extend our respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are listening. If you're listening to this podcast anywhere in Australia, you are on Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk About Suicide. My name is Hamish Blunk, and I'm your host for this podcast. Also guiding you through each of our episodes are two wonderful experts. We have Joe Ball, who is the CEO of Switchboard Victoria. They are also an LGBTIQA plus community leader, and use the pronouns they, them. And also Dr. Louise Flynn, who is a psychologist and also the manager of Support After Suicide. We will also hear from four people who we talked to about their experience with a loved one who died by suicide. Bo, Lara, Peter and Alice. In this episode, we're going to talk about another huge thing that people deal with when grieving a suicide death. Triggers. Everyone we interviewed for this podcast talked about triggers, and you're probably hyper aware of them too. A noise, a specific location, a smell, something you see on TV, a season of the year, a passing remark from someone you don't even know. These and so many other things can be triggers that uncontrollably draw you back into your grief and that acute feeling of trauma. Peter, Bo and Lara all have their own intensely personal experiences with triggers. Let's hear from Peter first. Triggers. (laughs) What you think isn't a trigger will be a trigger. (laughs) What you think will be a trigger won't be a trigger. But I can see something sad on the TV, (laughs) you know, and I'll cry at that or... Someone's house burns down, I'll cry. <laughs> you know, someone falls over in the street, I'll cry. 
there'll be some natural disaster somewhere or whatever. But when they report a suicide on TV and they don't, or on the news, and they don't say it's suicide because they say everything but. <laughs> and if they say there's no suspicious circumstances or, or, or something like that, there's, you, suddenly realize, you suddenly know the, you know, the code or the, the words that they use to, to say it without saying it. I purposely try and avoid places that we went together a lot. You know, I just can't, I can't, I can't do those sorts of things anymore. I just, I tr- I've tried, um, but it just, it just, it's, it's, does me more harm than it does good. And now Bo, whose partner died. You know, really small things that might, you know, get me down, upset or angry or whatever. Seeing, you know, a couple holding hands down the street would would trigger, you know, me and I'd get upset and think, you know, that's not fair and uh, um, or, or weddings, celebrations, birthdays. And finally, Lara. I find that there's lots of triggers um, around Ingrid's death. Um, I was on the phone to Ingrid the day that she died on my way to her and there was... I could hear birds in the background of the phone. So something like that will sometimes take me back to that day. Um, Paramedics and ambulances sometimes can be triggering. Um, I feel when I hear things about organ transplants, I find that incredibly hard because Ingrid's uh, organs weren't donated and I'm personally very upset about that. So there's a whole lot of things that can come up. That, that is triggering. You will experience expected and unexpected triggers in your daily life. And psychologist Louise thinks that although the unexpected ones will be inevitable and difficult, limiting your exposure to the expected triggers and planning for them, particularly in those early days, is probably a good thing. As, as each of them said there, some of the um, triggers uh, can be really unexpected. Just kind of people can feel really blindsided. Uh, by something unexpected that reminds them of something or takes them back to a certain experience. And then also I think Bo was talking about some of the the triggers or the difficult times that are actually expect, expected in a sense, like you know they're coming up and um, they can be prepared for, uh, which can be very helpful. Doesn't Experiences can still be difficult, but... You can put in some preparation to try and ease the difficulty. But certainly there will always be, as Peter said, the unexpected ones that can be really difficult. To do what Peter um, was suggesting is that sometimes exposure to certain triggers, um, it is good to limit that because it can be too distressing. Sometimes people will get to a point where they feel okay to go to a certain place, but Um, there is a time too when it actually is too difficult. So to limit exposure to certain um, places or events and experiences is actually a wise wise thing to do. Here's Jo from Switchboard Victoria. Mara also speaks to, they all do actually, about how personal the triggers can be, which I think is a really important conversation to have about suicide and suicide bereavement is that we often talk about, you know, that, People say, oh, talking about suicide can be a trigger, whereas what we actually heard there is something quite different. It's actually about really personalised 
experiences that relate to that person that died and therefore not make assumptions that about what is what is triggering people and be open to that idea when we're supporting people or we, when us when when we're supporting ourselves through this experience i think what you're saying there joe is that um each person's experience of grief will be very different and what triggers difficult experiences is certainly very unique to each person their relationship with the person was different that's unique the last interaction they had all, all there's so many um things that go into making uh grief a very unique experience and those triggers it's great if people can uh really listen to themselves and learn how they're affected by certain experiences and then learn how to deal with them so how do you go about getting back to your daily life getting back into some sort of routine like work social events and other community activities one of the first things about that i think is not to have pressure not to force yourself to do things before you're ready that's that's a really important thing like pushing yourself forcing yourself to do some things before you're ready can actually set set someone back one of the other things i think is that when when a, something like a suicide first happens it does tend to be completely overwhelming and quite consuming it's sort of like every feeling every thought Every behaviour is related to that. It feels difficult. It might even feel like something's wrong. But it actually is how it is for, for most people. And it can take some time to have the ability to think, to plan. And so one of the um, writers of grief talks about dosing grief and pain. And initially, that's impossible Gradually, over time, people can work out how to sort of enter into the experience of grief and how to kind of set it aside and get on with the functioning. But as I said, it's important to, to sort of really attune, be attuned to yourself and work out what the timing is uh, for you about when you pick up activities and functioning again. So are you like suggesting that people actually maybe almost schedule time for grief at some point? Like they need to work now, but later then they can set some time apart to think about the loved one and, and experience that grief then? Yeah, look, I think it's often sort of more messy than that sounds. But yes, people can eventually have a place or a time when um, their grief is sort of, uh, there's a place and a time for the grief. But you're also saying initially that's very unrealistic to, to, to think that. Absolutely, yeah. When I lost my staff member to suicide, I had to go back to work. Uh, a range of things had to happen. And I remember saying to my staff members, I said to them that I am going to cry my way through this and take what you will take from this that you too can cry because there wasn't an opportunity because I would be at work dealing with her suicide and and the effects of her suicide and bereavement and then I'd go home and deal with my own personal loss of a friend and somebody that I loved and respected so I felt like it was absolutely everywhere there wasn't a moment where I could have said okay this is this is time out from grief because it was just it really surrounded me so i felt like the only thing i could do was just be really compassionate to myself and those and and, and highlight to those around me that i'm okay but i'm just going to it's deeply affecting me 
and how that's going to look is that we might be in a staff meeting as we were and I'm going to cry and you can cry with me and that's the only way we can do it but I think over time I have been able to create a lot more space and I you know that I don't need to do that anymore I don't need to cry throughout my work day I certainly don't cry throughout my work day anymore but I do have moments where I cry. Both unexpected and expected triggers can be incredibly forceful in drawing you back into the trauma and grief that you're experiencing. Planning for expected triggers and maybe limiting your exposure to them can be a helpful tactic. How triggers will impact you will change over time, just like how your grief will also change. In the next episode of Let's Talk About Suicide, we are going to try and understand blame when it comes to suicide. People may attribute blame to other people or even to the person who suicided, but really no one can or should take on that responsibility. So please join us for that episode. But before you go, it's that part of the episode where I share with you some things that the people we interviewed with lived experience did to help them with their grief, some things they did for their self-care. There are some practical and helpful things that you might consider doing right now, or maybe just store in the back of your mind for later to help you through your bereavement. This one's from Alice. I think for me, sleep is always the foundation of self-care. And it's really personal, but I think I know for me, sleep, without sleep, nothing else can happen. And it's so easy, I think, like, it's such a self... It's like a reinforcing cycle of when you're not sleeping well, it's much easier to get, or I always find I get emotionally overwhelmed more easily. And then being emotionally worked up makes it so much harder to go to sleep. So I guess all the time when I'm thinking about self-care, I'm thinking about trying to prioritize sleep, you know, the idea of having good sleep hygiene, like preparing to go to sleep, winding down. So that's like a general thing for me. But I think when, you know, I was really having a hard time, part of the self-care for me around sleep was also thinking about I guess contingency planning like you know if I woke up in the middle of the night or I had a bad dream how would I manage that so like for example I went through a period where I was waking up a lot in the night so I had a sticky note uh, on my bedside table with the phone number for a 24-hour support helpline because I knew that if I called them and talked about whatever had woken me up that would help me go back to sleep um But I think that's kind of personal, like in terms of what works for different people around sleep. But for me, looking after your sleep makes a huge difference. You can download the other episodes in this series from joy.org.au slash let's talk, or look for them in your podcast feed. And you can also download the full-length interviews with the people who have shared their own stories. Thanks to our amazing expert panel, Joe Ball from Switchboard Victoria and Louise Flynn from Support After Suicide. And also the people we interviewed with lived experience, Alice, Bo, Lara and Peter. Let's Talk About Suicide is presented and produced by me, Hamish Blunk. Editorial assistance by Joy Program Director Rachel Tyler-Jones and technical help from Jack Trainor, Joy Production Manager. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at letstalk at joy.org.au. But if you need to talk to somebody right now or are in crisis, please contact one of the following services in Australia. QLife on 1800 184 527. The Suicide Callback Service on 1300 659 467. Or Lifeline on 13 11 14. 
You can find all of these contact details at joy.org.au slash let's talk. Until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.